Welcome along to the Wise Men's Day podcast where we are here to talk about Sunderland's 1-1 draw with Luton Town. Quite a few bits coming up on the show tonight. Myself mm-hmm. and Gareth are joined by Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. Evening all. And Rory Fallow. Hello. Hello. We're also like, going to hear from Lee Cannibal today, which is good. So he just shouted over the top of us there. It's a bit rude, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I didn't know what you said. But Posy was shouting over the top of us. It's a while since Rory's been on, hasn't it? <laughs> I feel like, like I said every time I'm on now. Like I'm, uh, yeah, twice a year. Twice a year. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm getting injured all the time. Can't get yeah. fitness. Johnny Williams yeah, at the gets, podcast. Gets better for not being here. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I'll that's, take that. I'll definitely the, take that. That's the George Honeyman thing at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to hear from Lee Catamall uh, tonight. I'll tell you what we're going to do first, though. We'll hear from Craig Clark, who was chaperoning for us on our behalf. Well, for us on the club at the weekend. He had a, a journalist over from Germany. Um, which can you... Did you get his name? Tim? Tim Orson, I think it is. Yeah, and he's going to do a feature on Sunderland. They were interested, weren't they? Well, he came to speak to us in the Peagot and he said he's trying to understand why people are like so many people uh, coming to watch Sunderland at the moment. He said he doesn't really understand it and logically it doesn't happen in in Germany, so they were trying to kind of investigate. So he was just coming to see what the pre-match culture was like in Sunderland. Popped along to see us for a bit, didn't he? Thanks for coming, everybody who came. Darren Williams always brings in Quite a few. That was quite mm. enjoyable. I always feel like he's got different stories as well. He, he, did, he never yeah. he never has to recycle stories, does no, he? No, no. Which is all, which is always a good sign. Um, so Craig also met up with some fans of Saint Mirren, yeah. where Jack Ross was. Uh, they came down for the game, so he chatted with one of them first, and then you'll hear him t- chat to Tim. Hello, it's Craig Clark here from the Wise Men Say podcast. I'm with a St Mirren fan who's down for the game from Paisley. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, how you doing guys? I'm Mark. And why are you here today, Mark? Uh, we're here basically for a day out, <laughs> a day out on the lash. But uh, obviously we've got a massive affiliation to Jack because of what he did for us at the club. So uh, we decided one of the, the guy who runs our supporters bus is a massive Sunderland fan. So uh, we just thought, you know what, let's get down there, man. We've got a free weekend this week, so winter break in Scotland. Uh, let's go down, speak to Sammy, speak to James, speak to Jack, speak to Big Potsy and see how we got on for the day, man. Sounds good. Um, obviously, if you want Sunderland to win today, then. <laughs> aye, aye, okay, aye. <laughs> I hope you do. Yes, we do, yeah. Um, most of us do. Bear in mind, we're playing black and white. I, I know. So, uh, yeah, that might not be the most uh, the best thing to say, but, uh, yeah, I think most of us want Sunderland to win today, aye. Well, I hope you enjoy your day, mate. Um, and that, the scenes there with Jack Ross were fantastic. Oh, absolutely um, brilliant, man. Absolutely. He'll always be one of our own, Jack. Do you know what I mean? He's he's one of those guys. He, he built up this thing at the club when, when when he was with us. Obviously, he was there as a player as well. But uh, when he became as, when he came as manager, he built up this just huge rapport with the supporters. It just became like us and him all in together. So it was absolutely fantastic. So give a little back, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to us. No worries. Enjoy good, your day. Enjoy your game, man. Thanks. I'm in the tunnel with... Um, a journalist from Build, who's been here to cover the game. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, hi guys. Uh, this is Tim from Germany, from Hamburg, for uh, German sports magazine Sport Build. And uh, yeah, I've been here with Greg at the game against Luton. Unfortunately, it only went 1-1. Uh, what did you think of the game or the atmosphere, the style of football? Was it what you expected? Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, I think uh, the football technically was way much better than we have in Germany in the third division. And uh, there was... That's why, was it, why uh, I've been here, because uh, I knew that uh, Sunderland has such a big attendance every game and uh, we can't imagine this in, in German football in the third division and uh, today it was good atmosphere but uh, unfortunately uh, Sunderland hasn't won. Um, so what will you take away from this experience do you think? Um, 
like some some good memories obviously you're going to write an article that'll be out next week um, what kind of things are you thinking of putting in the article um, of course uh, I want to go back to to another Sunderland game I think uh, maybe an away game yeah uh, I would um, definitely enjoy that because um, I heard that 8,000 people went to, to Black Blackpool right and um, I think the atmosphere uh, to, to go drive to an away game uh, it's very special it's not uh, like uh, every single home game no here it is, every home game is just unusual I know but um, I would like to see uh, how, how the Sunderland fans are doing in, in, in an away game but um, I would like to come back with uh, you're going to promote to the uh, championship at the end of the season as well well we'll play Southend at the end of the season so if you can manage to wrangle a ticket and a trip over for that that should be uh, hopefully a party atmosphere yeah, you might help me <laughs> well see what I can do yeah why not I'll, I'll definitely try um, then you will come back to, to Germany and visit a, well, a very good football game not something like this here today <laughs> I, I was going to say why don't we talk about your team for a bit then and you know how because they have a third division team right um, and my team is yeah. a second division team in Germany Se- sorry yeah. second not third um, uh, do you want to talk a bit about them sort of who, who you support what, what's um, it like there in this season I don't really want to talk about them because it's a very bad season uh, until this point um, after the first half of the season it's I know we, we are the uh, uh, six, uh, on place 16 um, and it's a very uh, nice club from the west of Germany called Duisburg uh, MSV Duisburg um, we'll all be looking out for them from now on yeah, yeah. you have to and I will look uh, out for Sunderland uh, that's, that's the right answer yeah <laughs> I enjoyed it really well thank no. you very much no, and thanks for coming along and uh, it's been a great pleasure spending the day with you so um, yeah obviously we've got a new convert now as a Sunderland fan in Tim so yeah but when, when that goes out I think it's going to be just in the newspaper is that right or will it be online uh, no we will uh, publish in our magazine next week on uh, Wednesday um, and uh, yeah whole Germany will read this uh, <laughs> I hope uh, we are one of the biggest news, uh, sports magazines in Germany um, and uh, maybe we'll um, publish it online as well but um, yeah okay well I will, we'll see I will it show you yeah we'll, we'll take a look at it and I'm sure it'll be full of positive stuff about Sunderland. Right, thanks Tim. Um, safe journey home as well. Thank you, Craig. Right, so it's our turn to reflect on the game now. 1-1, balance of the game, points seemed fair. Do people do the thing or do, do, do other people think Sunderland edged it or Luton edged it? I'd say draw was fair. And I think Sunderland first half, maybe apart from the first 10 minutes, were we were by far the better side. It was just very similar to the Charlton game that we were on top for... I'd say the majority of that first 45 minutes but didn't create enough didn't capitalise being on top and that does make make it feel like putting the referee and performance to side which I'm sure get we'll, get, we'll definitely yeah. get onto but it does feel like two points dropped and that's now from Boxing Day to now it's five games running where we've only scored once that's including three draws not being this isn't like a, a, a massive a massive criticism I'm not too worried but we're not being clinical enough at the minute. We're not putting these teams away. And that's fair enough against teams like Luton and Charlton, who you can see they're noticeably better sides than the majority of sides in this it's division. Best team, I think, that's been the stadium. Yeah, best, best game of football at the I stadium of life. we were better than them. Did you? Yeah. But even Barnsley went 3-0 down to us. But again, we were, we were clinical in that game. But you can see the difference in quality between Luton and Charlton. And you'd probably like you'd put Portsmouth in that bracket as well. Barnsley, like you say, Gareth. But if you're not being clinical in those games, you've got to be more clinical against... Shrewsbury 
Wickham, a little bit of a worrying trend at the minute, which mm. obviously Jack Ross, I'm sure, is more than aware of. And I'm confident he'll address us, which is why I'm not getting too worried at the moment, mm. be that with signings or if we change style of play slightly. But I don't think, even if you don't think it was a penalty or what your view is on Maguire's red card, which I know didn't have too much of an impact in the in the overall game, given how late it was. But I don't think you can still complain about a draw. It was, it was a fair result. Yeah. Luton did. But it's not a disaster. Again, like we, we said at Charlton, a point against the side that's up there with you. At least you're not handing them the three points. Portsmouth lost as well. So if you're going to look at it uh, as a glass half full kind of person, uh, you know, you're not letting them get away from you. Um, well, we've we were g- discussing... We've, we've gained on them. Uh, yeah. We've not lost we've, the team we've above us and we've with gained Luton. on them. We haven't let Luton gain. No. We've stayed level and we've gained a point on, well, on, on That's the interesting um, thing. A lot, after the game, a lot of it, there was a lot of people upset. I think the Shrewsbury game is the one that's done it because if we'd beaten Shrewsbury, we'd be second. Didn't um, Portsmouth also drop points that day as well? I believe I think so. we with Shrewsbury. I just think people need to settle down a little bit. Um, when you look at how we're, <clears throat> you know, points-wise, we're tracking two points a game, which is usually good enough um, mm-hmm. to get teams promoted. Um we just, I think people just need to relax a little bit. Um, I think those wounds are, are deep um, over the past five years and <clears throat> it doesn't take much for people to start panicking. Um, we've had a lot of games. Um, we're talking about this in the, in the group chat before and Chris Wellspoon pointed out we've played 35 games this season so far, which is incredible, really. You know, in the Premier League season, we'd probably usually play about 42, 43 yeah. maybe, if you include the cup competitions. So it's a bit, it does feel a bit, I feel a bit weary. I'm looking forward to the break that's come about because the Gillingham game's off because it feels like it's just been non-stop, relentless. And need it, don't you? We need to get, some, get, get, your, get your admin done. It does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, the, the, there's so many games and I think, you know, the, the pressure is, it's a different kind of pressure and I just think, you know, people are reacting maybe a little bit panicked because we're so desperate to get promoted at the first attempt and there's that worry that it, it I don't think it's unlikely I think we will go up automatically but I think the idea of not is too difficult for some people to process and I think as a result it's creating this this panic and worry that comes out in you know you know after the game at the weekend people are well you know we, we should be doing this we should be doing that we've missed this opportunity we missed that opportunity we've played in the last six games, and correct me if I'm wrong, we'll say seven just to be sure, but we've played Blackpool, Portsmouth, Charlton and Luton, um, who are all teams who are decent. Um, and we, we've only lost one of those games. Um, so when you look at it that way, and you look at the seven fixtures that we've got coming up, I don't know if you've written them down, Stephen. Well, we were going to have. A, I was going to have a Phil wide. Hasn't said a wide yet. We should let Phil. We were, we were going to do. We were going to do a wide discussion with all this because this relates to a lot of the tweets. But you just ignore the schedule and we'll try to yeah. get back on another game um, because I do, I do want to see what people think. We will look at the next fixtures and stuff like that. Um, just going back because we're going to hear from Lee Catamon a bit. So just to wrap up the the analysis of the game, we were discussing on the way here, Phil, um, that Luton, their fans and players yet again. Another team that celebrated a point against Sunderland like they'd won the Champions League. I've read a couple of blogs and stuff from Luton fans and Luton websites as well where they're saying their players were at it like 100% better than they've been recently, even though they've been doing well recently. This just reflects another problem we have. We, we, we can't deny the fact that teams are 
raising the game against us and it's going to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, I always go back, the example I always use is after the Wigan Wanderers game when um, Gareth Ainsworth got a stand ovation from the director's box and he went down the tunnel. Every single Wigan director, there was probably about 10, 12 of them, obviously all come up for the game, big day, and he got a stand ovation for 1-1 draw and Wickham did well and it was a good point for them, but it does put into perspective just that kind of thing. I think Luton, I think you've got to, one of the big things that, in my opinion, Sunderland are struggling with this season is teams like Luton haven't, they've had a bit of growth over a period of time. And I think in games like that, it really tells. Mm. They have such unbelievable conviction in what they do. They've built that team. The patterns are in place. There's relationships all over the pitch. It's instinctive. And I think Sunderland can go a little bit flat. And I think they are sometimes lacking a little bit of almost conviction in the play. But that's what happens when you build a new team. And when you play so many games, you don't get time on the training pitch. And I think that was another example where I was watching opposition that I felt had a little bit more conviction and a little bit more rhythm about them. And I just think that's, to an extent, a little bit of an inevitability, to be I, honest. I feel at the moment, I mean, I mentioned this to Rory, you disagreed with me, but <clears throat> I feel as though we are actually playing better as a unit than we were when we had that run where we won the six league games. I, re- I really do. I know some of you might think, oh, he's talking a lot of rubbish. I felt as though at the time we were... We're battling our way through games, the Shrewsbury away game, the Doncaster away game, where we really did just scrap for those points and, and managed to keep clean sheets and win the game. Whereas at the moment, I feel as though we're just, there's a swagger against Charlton in our first half, against Blackpool in the first half, against Luton. Um, we're, better, we're the better side against Portsmouth in the first half. I don't know if people might say, well, you know, the game's over 90 minutes, blah, blah, blah. You're right. But I just feel as though what you're saying, Phil, about Luton being a more cohesive unit, I feel as though naturally that should be, that's a bit of progress where I feel as I know, though I know what moving you, on, what we, we definitely at. are a more cohesive unit but you than we were during that period. You mentioned Portsmouth. I don't think we had a shot on target in that no. entire first half. I think there's a lack of conviction there at the minute, which which is a worry. If you take it back a little little bit further back than the Doncaster and Shrewsbury games, you look at Rochdale, you look at Scunthorpe early in the season where we're really, really yeah. capitalising on our chances. And that comes, obviously, we didn't have Josh Madger in the team Um and you do kind of, I didn't have Josh Madge on the team on Saturday, you do kind of think, is that was that part of us early in the season down to still being a bit of an unknown quantity? Because if you look at the way Lyndon Gooch was playing early in the season compared to now, he looks a different player. If Lyndon Gooch had just came into the team now, you'd be quite worried about him, I think, because he's not... And we did, he did do well on, on Saturday for the goal, actually. I think his first half on Saturday was the best he looked in a while, but against Charlton, he was poor. He was poor against Blackpool. He's not been on a good run of form since about December. Is that because he's maybe a bit one-dimensional? He's being found out now. Do we need to bring in something else into the team? Do we need all our style of play to get the best out of him or someone else just to give us that bit of edge again? Because I think attacking-wise, the only one who isn't really... <clears throat> predictable as such is Josh Madger because he's so good you look at his goal against Barnsley you can't really you can't teach you can't teach that level of quality and him, him defenders and McGeady, at this level yeah they're the two actually you look at him his shot where he hit the bar the way he cut inside he was never given that ball away and he only had one thing on his mind really unlucky not to score but the flip side to that is you look at when the header falls to Charlie Wyke you know yeah. that I was behind the goal. I think it's a little bit more difficult than people. So, but it's funny because I was 
In Target like, at least. No, I was in no, line no, with the penalty it, box. It, it, it flew at him. Yeah. And he had a second. And it was a, to like he, had to, he had to like force, like he probably would have wanted to drop a bit more. It was quite a loopy ball when it came down. He almost had to like, he had to go, get to the ball rather than wait for the ball to get to him. And as a result, he's headed it. It looked, it looked bad, but it, it was a more difficult chance. It was a bit like that Honeyman one against Coventry where people thought like, he should have scored, you know, when mm. Maguire hit the post with a free kick and it bounced back to him and he skied it. Or the one Charlie Mike had against Charlton, actually. Okay, well, that was yeah. a much more difficult one. But well, these are racking up for it, Wyke yeah. at the minute as well, it's which a, you worry about is confidence, don't you? It's a fine line between saying, right, he, he's still rusty and yeah. uh, maybe is he, is he at the quality we're at? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Madger, Phil, so I know they are after a number nine, which again we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. But um, your, your opinion on, on Wyke? I don't think the service to him helped. Um, no, I mean... At the, at the same time, when you're used to watching somebody like Madger up front... And then McGeady just behind him, he does look a little look, bit off that. To, to me, he looks very, very static in the box. Yeah. At the moment, he feels very easy to defend against when you have two big centre-halves who aren't intimidated by a player like that, like Luton had. He does look pretty poor. The amount of times a cross goes in, he seems to be caught on his heels. He's not getting across his marker. But I have to say that the um, two away games, Blackpool and Charlton, I know Charlton, he missed his chances, but his contribution outside the box was outstanding. He was a Madge's body language in those two games compared to where it had been before that was just such a huge difference. And that's because he knew that Charlie could get him into the game in the areas where he was hurt. He needs a partner, doesn't he? He like, does, yeah. Really but it's, it's you know, I think in, inside the box, I'm a, there is a definite concern there because at the moment he looks quite easy to defend against. But I would stress that if you're looking at that Blackpool and Charlton game as four really good points over two tough away games, he was a huge part of that. So the question is whether at the moment that inside the box, whether that's a lot of confidence and a lot of sharpness, or is it more about you know game intelligence? I think mm. it's too early to tell to tell the answer. To that We've one. seen this so many times with centre forwards, and it can go one way or the corner. <laughs> yeah. Where you see them and you think they start off really well, like Altador, like Sinclair. Well, Sinclair, just, Sinclair to an extent is a really good mm. example because I don't, th- I still even towards the end, I don't think Sinclair was far off being really useful. In a lot of ways, and you look back at the Doncaster game, he did really well at what he was asked to do. But the longer it goes on, and the more yeah. you just drop further, drop deeper and deeper, yeah. you stop taking shots on, and suddenly it's mm-hmm. like. So it will be interesting. He does definitely need to just get one in and, yeah. and you know and, mm-hmm. and take it from there. Remember as well, and this isn't <clears throat> main ex- excuses for him. Like you say, Phil, he did have a good game at, at, at Charlton. He did have a good game at Blackpool, but he's played. We've had loads of games recently. He's played. 90 minutes in a lot of them and he, and he played in the week 90 minutes there, thereabouts against uh, <clears throat> Newcastle um, so it's a lot of when you're just coming back when you've been out for, for three months he's played constantly mm. now there's going to be probably a point where you hit the wall I think he looked he didn't look as sharp as he had done on Saturday as he did previous times it looked like yeah and, and it might he might just be leggy um, I understand people get frustrated, and you know, after the game, there was a lot of people calling him every name under the sun. But I think you just got to be a little bit more. Just every, again, hit the point, and people got opinions, and that's fine. But sometimes you just got to try and relax, you know, and don't bring that anx- that anxiety that's around it. Like it doesn't take much. I do feel so. It doesn't, will not take much to turn this season into a into a bad spell like it really does I just feel as though on the edge all the time Gareth yeah. says relax is the name of this podcast <laughs> I've decided well, it's not, already it's not you know what the name of the podcast is and we haven't talked about him yet either 
Right. Because I was I was him from Netflix from Netflix at the weekend. I was having the whip round. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, it was. I think there was. We've, a, we've I think well there was get, a few hats going round the bottom actually <laughs> for the referee. We've done well to get this far into it without mentioning <clears> the referee. I mean, Rory pushed over it, but this is Lee Probert, so he's a Premier League referee. I think he's <laughs> household name, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows who he is. I mean, yeah, he what, made what sure I, everyone knew who he was. What do, I, what do I think of Lee? He'd been watching he, Mike Dean, hadn't he? What I think of Lee Probert uh, is the bit. Did you ever see the? Um, the footage when Arsene Wenger got sent to the stand in Old Trafford mm-hmm. and Gordon Strachan does a voiceover of the chain of events. Has anybody seen no. Gordon Strachan, Lee Probert's the fourth <clears throat> official on that game, so he grasses Wenger to the ref and Gordon Strachan does a voiceover it's really funny. I just think of Lee Probert, when I, when I, when I think of him, I just think of that. Now, I mean, he waltzed around, he tried to make it all about him, didn't he? And this is not even one way you could say one side benefited from really well, mm. I thought first half I don't think we but had a free kick for, for 25 he, minutes he no. was bad for both teams oh, yeah. but, I mean, but the, the, what you would say is arguably you know Luton get a penalty I have seen some people say they think it was a penalty I didn't personally no, no way to go absolutely no, what, what no was way. it for handball because I know he gave it for the from Flanagan pulling Collins back as he was about to shoot apparently well, he didn't even get near him he, no, he put his body he um, put his body across and sure if that's the case Flanagan should have been booked and he would have been it was, set it was off a, like, that's a book and if you're given a foul it wasn't that. a penalty and that really did seem to knock the stuffing out of us yeah. as well didn't it well, I couldn't believe when he, I don't, none of the Luton players were appealing for a penalty no no the game was going on they just stopped and he was just oh penalty he maybe got bored it was, I was thinking like <laughs> oh, he's going to give us he's going to do something stupid here and then he sent like one of them off and I was like alright for, like didn't seem anything in it really, considering some of the other challenges in the game. And yeah, I, I missed that one totally. I'll be honest. I just saw. I just saw him with a red card in his hand. Well, look, there, was, set him off. there was one towards the end where Luton broke, and I think it was Elliot Lee took it to the corner, and McGeoch just cleaned him out, and it was just you know the most yellow card foul you've ever seen. It was just complete. You know, one of those where you just take it, and he just didn't even show yellow cards, and it was just like it, it's just absolutely baffling. It was just unbelievable, and it, and it ruined a really good game. Because the first half I enjoyed, and I thought the second half was was awful. And just because he had no control, he was letting everybody slow it down. It was a real shame, to be honest, because it should have been a really good mm-hmm. game of football, and it was mm-hmm. for a bit. The second half I didn't enjoy it all, and it was yeah. Re- there was really a, I, I, like I say, I missed Hilton's red card from where I was, but I saw the ref get his red card out early, so I knew he was going off because I could see I could see it in his hand. But then later on the second half, one of their players goes up. Elk was one of our <laughs> yeah. players. Probert actually makes an elbow gesture and points at him and that's what he's got off of here because he points at him does an elbow gesture and then showed him a yellow card now I'm not saying you know, call, I wasn't calling for him to be sent off but that's weird it's inconsistency in yeah that's you... weird in itself like what what how can you justify a yellow card if you think he's elbowed him which is what he was gesturing the referees say I heard I think it was Graham Paul interviewed at once uh, interviewed about once he says referees your first decision basically sets what your tolerance is going to be for that game so if you think it's going to be a game where it's quite niggly there's going to be a lot of fouls you'll try and let some of them go early on so you're saying I've got a low tolerance here or if you think it's or if you want to put a hard line on it you'll start giving all them early on so when he's showed what his tolerance is by sending off Hilton so when that happens again surely that's Surely that's a red card as well. But the one for Flanagan as well, when Flanagan got booked for, for pretty nothing. much what the Luton defenders have been doing to Charlie yeah, White all okay. afternoon. Like like in the first half, I did actually, <clears throat> sorry to go back to Charlie White, but felt a bit sorry for him because he was getting dragged about. Well, there, was, there was one where he got flattened and he breathed play on and then Lyndon Gooch got fouled 
And he, he like let him go again, and they, like Luton nearly scored. But then every time a yeah. Luton player hit the deck, he was just like free kick. And when he said about centre tolerance, it was like, well, you you're not doing the same exactly, for one yeah. team that totally you're doing inconsistent. For I'd, I'd also argue. Now I don't think it was a foul by Flanagan for the penalty, but let's say it was. I would argue because he's got his shot away, that's the advantage played anyway. Is what I was yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. I would view it. If somebody's gonna, if somebody's pulling onto you and you break clear of them and you get your shot away, that's an advantage. Mm. That's your advantage. Yeah, and he hits the inside of the post. So even if it was a foul, I, I think I was iffy anyway. Well, Maguire was fouled in the build. The I was going to say the well. people think he was fouled. I did at the time. I well, I think he was fouled twice. I didn't really see that one to be honest. He shouldn't have stayed down though. It seemed no, like a foul. He, 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 he also yeah. could have played the ball like way before he got fouled as well. He, he and did he shouldn't, run he shouldn't have stayed down. He let his run. No, no, that was pretty not. poor. Right, but. so which takes us on to Maguire's red card, in which they have appealed. They've confirmed. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's not great because you don't have loads of replays like when we're in the Premier League and even the Championship. Lots of different angles. I didn't think it was a red at the time. I've seen one replay of it. I still don't think it was a red. I think he, he sort, of, sort of got shoved into the player. It, to be honest, I didn't really see the instant, um, and this is the issue that you know you mentioned there. There aren't that many angles, and I think that's the problem when you try and get these things rescinded because you obviously you have to emphatically prove that the referee made an incorrect decision, and that's quite hard to do if you've only got one angle from the gantry. So I'll be interested to see what angles they've got of it. It just seemed um, like a guest to me. Like they, 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 looked, they looked at the reaction of their players, <clears throat> who at the time I think were annoyed because they were down to ten men, they were losing one 0 and I think. Um, were the one 0 down or was it one one? No, it was one one. It was one one. They just he would their captain in the middle of the park was fuming all the time anyway, and I think he reacted so angry to me they just looked like they guessed it. I think it has to be the linesman who get, who'd given it because the ball had gone, the referee had turned, um, and it, so I think it was the linesman's decision. He did have a decent view of it, but you know, hopefully Jack Ross said he'd seen a replay that made clear that there wasn't a stamp, which hopefully they'll be able to show that because, like I say. You know, as much as to us it can seem obvious, but it, you have to really be able to prove it to get them to overturn it, to admit if, their own referees made a mistake. So. If they've got any sense, it'll just, you know, there'll have been a referee's assessor there. And like... It's probably Steve. Lute, 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 Luton, <laughs> fan, Luton fans and Sunderland fans were saying how dreadful he was all game. Maybe it's just, it's had any sense to just hit reset on it. I mean, neither neither were really... But Luton, Luton aren't appealing theirs because they haven't got an angle. So they don't think it was a red card. But they haven't got a good angle to prove well, to he, prove other he, the wrong decision. So that's that's what I'm trying to point out is that even if it's it being the wrong decision doesn't make it easy to overturn. Is what I'm saying because Luton have decided that even though they're convinced it wasn't a red card, there's no point because they haven't got an angle that emphatically proves it. I guess it. it's a benefit to having full well 73. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've, exactly. probably, they've probably got loads Get of the HD there. cameras. Oh out. yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, I wouldn't be surprised if they are using that as evidence. If as evidence, if they've got that footage, they should use it as evidence. But on that point on Hilton, he's already been sent off for a straight red this season. Um for a professional for a um for violent well, dangerous play, he two footed somebody. So he's already been sent off, he's already missed three games. So he's been sent off again, so I assume he'll miss Apparently he's gonna miss, miss a game against you miss, Portsmouth. Yeah, you miss four then, won't he? So he's, if he's already been sent off this season. Them, they're missing a game so, against Portsmouth as well. If, yeah. if you if you're just setting your sights on second yeah. for the minute as well, at the moment you'd have to. Yeah, and, and, oh, totally. Yeah, so th- that's a ma- that's a big miss for them, and they've lost the manager this week. And you think psychologically, if it, I always think what goes on at other clubs. If if it was us, you know, put put it, put ourselves in their shoes, and how would you feel? They, they've lost the manager this week. Yeah, they drew the game, which is great, um, but at the same time, they've lost like 
the you know the, yeah. the strike effort for for four games, that mislegates Portsmouth. It's a blow, you know. So the you know psychologically they're going to have to deal with that, and they'll have a new manager coming in. Um. So yeah, it's you know there's a lot there's a lot for Sunderland to take advantage of at the moment. And as well, there's the still two, you know, three, two weeks left of the transfer window. Yeah. We've still got time to get that striker in and. You would presume you probably know more than us, Phil, what his ideas are and where Jack Ross wants to strengthen. Um, would it just still be a striker? And people, I know people have mentioned midfielders, but you've got to look at George Honeyman coming back. Yeah. Tell, you what, tell you what, before we have a chat about that, because some people have asked these questions on Twitter, we'll hear from Lee Cattermall now. This is Wise Men's Series interview with Lee Cattermall after the game. Is it kind of normal to, to go out and you see there is such a big attendance right now because you've uh, been here for so long? Um, or is it every day, every time something unusual to, to get out and see so many fans, even in the third division right now? Well, I think, I wouldn't say it's unusual. I think the fans have always been great. The, the 10 years I've been here, the, we've had big numbers, but we spent probably eight years of them in the Premier League, which obviously you get great teams coming to the stadium. Obviously, the, the buzz is high. But last year was a tough year for the football club. You know, we had a... Big, uh, big disappointment dropping out the Premier League, and then yeah. things didn't go to plan in in the Championship in terms of what, the way the club was being run, um, how active we were as a club with the fans, and you know I think we we the club was a little bit confused last year. I think yeah. mm. um, we had a new takeover this season, new ownership, uh, new manager, new staff, and I think that created a, a bit of optimism again and a bit of belief and. Um, you see that and then winning games is huge so suddenly we had maybe 30,000 the first game of the season we win in the last yeah. minute and that just keeps rolling you keep winning games sure. obviously we've been unlucky we haven't won the game today but you know I think fans are enjoying seeing the team win which is which is important to everybody yeah isn't it a bit uh, dangerous too if you have so many fans that were, because if it's uh, going like uh, last season there are um, much more people shouting at you uh, when it's uh, gone bad and it's very mental pressure I think uh, for you as a player it, it brings pressure yeah it does yeah. but Hopefully you've got the right people in the dressing room who can deal with that and you know and, and enjoy that because you can see once once we're doing well in the game that the, the, yeah. the noise the noise pushes you on and um, but it does bring pressure you know it's it's not normal probably at this level we go to other stadiums where we went to Blackpool for example there's two and a half thousand we took eight thousand as a yeah. team so that's quite unusual yeah. but we still felt pressure there because we've got eight thousand fans coming on New Year's Day to watch us and hopefully yeah. watch us win so it does bring pressure but the lads are dealing with it well and everyone's having a good season so far. Uh, hopefully that'll continue, but that to me stresses the importance of winning football matches when you've got big yeah. crowds because you want to see them happy and, and we need them on side, which that's what they want. But obviously when the team's not playing well, they get that frustration because they want to see the effort and the commitment. Which, in fairness, this season with the dressing room we've got and majority of players really willing to go and play play for the football club and want to be here. I was gonna I was gonna say is there being a bit of a, a switch in mentality in that dressing room because you can feel it in the stands. Yeah. It feels like everyone wants to be here, they're all pulling in the same direction. The manager seems great. Yeah as he's, well you know he's the gaff the gaff has been different class. The gaff yeah. has been different class because when he came in I know it, it looks now it it might look like the job was mm. a bit e easier than it has been but it's been a really job for the gaffer you know he came in we didn't have much of a squad I think we were no. going in pre-season 12-13 players we didn't have a squad we had a lot of young players and he's managed to pick good players and lads who know the league and I think if you look right through the middle of the team we're quite, pretty strong yeah, Definitely. Um, so the gaffer needs huge credit for that but I think everyone just wants to keep their feet on the ground I think that's the important bit is oh, yeah. it's a tough league it's been shown that with the Charlton and the Portsmouth the Luton games everyone's competing with us I can't remember many easy games we've had uh, we've got to keep our feet on the ground keep working hard 
and hopefully by the end of the season get to where we want to get to. How frustrating was it to be suspended today? Yeah, it was. It was something. Just a big I was, game, you know. Yeah, it was something I was aware of, but again, I, I think you know, there's no excuses. But I don't make many titles. If you look at the amount of fouls I make, to how many yellow cards I've had, uh, we, we all see it. It's, it's not see much, it. and it's something that that gets caused from a young age when I've made tackles and get a reputation and suddenly that you go away to stadiums where there's seven eight thousand fans and suddenly I make a tackle and it's a big thing so I'm, I'm aware of that but again there's, there's been a couple but I come back from an injury where I didn't do much and then I come back and I've played five or six games so um, missing one game wouldn't have been the end of the world but missing two it, it was tough to watch that today mm. for me but we played well in the game and it's another point towards the total we're going to need. Exactly, agreed. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you were here since 10 years now, I think? Yeah, I think it's been um, 10 seasons. Yeah. Uh, does it feel different right now, this season? Is it really such a uh, refresh, uh, everybody telling me? Yeah, refreshing is probably a good word, yeah. I think uh, those times where you feel you might need a, a freshen up yourself, a new environment, because obviously with your 10 years at any club or any work industry, I think you can become a little, little bit stale, but it has definitely felt like a fresh club this year and something which I felt I needed, I needed that, whether it was to move on or stay here, yeah. but you know, the club means a lot to me, I've been here a long time and yeah. um, the amount of ups and downs you had along the way, but we've always finished the season with real highs and then maybe not recruited well enough in the summers that I felt, you know, I felt to play for Sunderland you need to be a certain type of character and I've seen them characters going into different clubs, not as big clubs and something like the Burnley, Burnley's people like that, uh, what they've got in their dressing room I think looks like a club sort of team that I've played for Sunderland and so, I think as Tim says it's 10 seasons mm. so anywhere any thought about a testimonial Menace? no no I've not uh, I've, do you know what I've not even thought of that I'm, uh, I'm getting married this summer so that's uh, <laughs> I, I just want to there you go on, you Ma know. marriage yeah. at the stadium <laughs> testimonial and great it, yeah. and congratulations Jeez, yeah. no yeah I just want to focus on the job in hand I think it's so so easy and especially in the modern, modern modern life now I think it's everyone gets carried away with things and I think it just you know my experience in football is once you think you've cracked it it soon bites you you know and you need to keep your feet on the ground and keep working hard and um, we've seen today they were a good team and it's, it's going to take a lot more effort and carrying on what we're doing to, to get over the line this year but you know I think everyone's confident we can do that and uh, and we've got that belief in, in the squad to hopefully get you some success. You've played many years in the Premier League now you're playing in the League yeah. One um, yeah. Sunderland um, is it more important for you to have such a big club behind you with so many fans uh, than playing in the highest league you can? Yeah exactly I think that's important I think you still when you go out and play today there's 37,000 a lot of Premier League clubs don't get that amount yeah. so you still have the same pressure the that buzz it still gets you you know and um, I think that's nice to have that them little nerves I always get nervous before the games um, which is good to sign that you care and you want to you want to play and, um, we're sometimes getting bigger attendances now than we did in the Premier League so um, yeah it, it, it's whatever level you play at I'm, I'm finding a way to really enjoy it and um, yeah. I respect the league I, there's a lot of good players in this division um, but I think I've got something what I've gained over the years I've played in the Premier League in terms of dealing with the pressure playing at a high level mentally I feel like I'm strong so I think that's where I can still have an edge on, on, on players you mentioned the Netflix documentary uh, did you watch it together with the with the team uh, yeah. what did you thought when what did you sh think when uh, you saw the documentary so, uh, well, obviously we're aware six of it. months later yeah we were aware of it last year and then we obviously watched the first episode together as a squad and I think the lads thoughts were pretty positive towards it should we okay um, so we were happy um, I haven't seen the rest of the series yet I've, I've really? watched one episode which at the minute it's again I've, I've 
I'm concentrating on what I'm doing at the minute. Mm. I, that can come later. It's, I'm sure it's not going anywhere on Netflix. And yeah. <laughs> it'd be nice to maybe watch them back to back because that was a it was a tough season for us last year, and it's not something I can really gain much positiveness from positivity or whatever you say. So I'm just keep my head down and keep concentrating on this. Yeah, yeah, but we can tell watching yeah. you week in week out. Been you know great this season. Yeah. Like um, really appreciate that you know you've stayed yeah. and put the effort in. Like. As fans, it's, it's all we want. I'd, I'd you know, been, I'd commitment. Been, I'd have been really gutted if I had to leave in the summer on the back of what we does and probably the feeling and especially messages from the club about me as well, which I didn't really like. I didn't really agree with in terms of people have seen what I've given to the club and yeah. the injuries I've played with. Like played three or four years with my hip, which was which was bad. And seeing Andy Murray this week remind me of some dark times I had. And um, you that's know, the story you don't get. You know what I mean? Yeah. As supporters, it. And I'm not saying you would want to go out and be shouting about that, but people need to understand football as a human beings and they go through stuff you know yeah well I think once once you cross the white line everyone thinks everyone's 100% and I wouldn't want I'm telling the manager I'm 100% that's why I'm playing but a yeah. lot of the times you never you never you never get like that but I've given a lot to the club and I'd like to think um, I, I'd hopefully go, go out in a different way to which it might, might have been in the summer you know so it was important to me that I try and put things right before I, before I shoot Jay Ross and you're listening to the Wise Men Say podcast lovely caramel like do always have <laughs> <laughs> always have it's 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 good that though what he's saying he you know he didn't want to go out he, he would have been gutted if he left after last season and it is good that we're seeing we're seeing him play again this year because he's right and i feel for john O'Shea a little bit on on, on that front as well, well <clears throat> you know wouldn't have been worse than know. leuvens really would he yeah no so, even if he didn't play it just would have been nice yeah that's what i mean he like, was around yeah. for the for the uplift well and, he's had another bad time this year on it Redden, so you know, it's. I'm sure he would have been an asset to us in, in in this league, doing the job that Leuven's is doing. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I, that actually sounded more of a dig against <coughs> Leuven's than it was. He hasn't actually played enough. No. But he's basically he's been in League One all year, hasn't he? For yeah, for us this season, yeah. Leuven's, hasn't he? Like Catamore's got to like right some wrongs this season, and it would have been nice <coughs> for Shea to do that as well. Um, but as we were talking about before with transfers, there before Lee Catamore rudely interrupted us. Mm. Um, so would it be would would he be looking at midfielders as well? Do you think? For no, him? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, the the interesting one kind of coming down the track is the is the manager thing, isn't it? Because if you decide that you do need a manager replacement, what do you go out and buy? Do you buy a number ten? Do you buy mm. a stri- another striker? Because he's such a difficult player to pin down because he's he's quite unique in the way he plays. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they do have to replace him, what kind of player they buy. Do you think? Do you think? Obviously, they're trying to sign a striker anyway. Yeah. Do you think if Magic goes, they'll just go okay, fair enough, and this is just in case, or will they, will they then go right? We'll go and get somebody else. No, they, as they well. would get they would they get would somebody else as well. Because okay. I think I think if they lost the thing is if you lost Magic as well, you wouldn't just lose another striker. You would also lose a player who kind of is really good around the edge yeah. of the box. If you see what I mean, yeah. so you wouldn't just be losing a goal scorer. You'd also be losing potentially a, a little bit of a playmaker if you yeah. play with White as well. So certainly the plan is is one more as it stands, and if you then decide you have to replace Madge, you would bring another one in. But that's not difficult. That's quite difficult because he is such a, a unique player. But it is interesting that you mention it because coming into the window, I was very much in the sense of don't disrupt it too much. You don't need to change too much. And I'm much more of the opinion now that you don't have to do anything daft, but it definitely feels like it needs a spark. It definitely yeah. needs, like, it's gone a little bit flat the last few weeks. And you can't over it, like... The fatigue thing is massive. The number of games they've played is just ridiculous. But it does feel like it's all gone a little bit flat at the moment, off yeah. the pitch as well as on it. And I do just think a little bit of freshness, mm-hmm. a little bit of a spark 
would would make a big difference at the moment. It's probably why he's glad to be out there for a cup as well. With some of those games getting, I, I really, I, I really do think it would be. It's going to be massive. Just take a little bit of a breather, get back on the training pitch. I mean, Jack Ross hasn't coached for about three months because it's just been like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and I think that's a massive advantage for the teams who are a little bit more familiar. Mm. So I think a little break, hopefully a little bit of freshness, and I think that's really because it has just it feels like hard work at the moment. It does feel like yeah. hard work. Michael Clark's one of many who was just mentioning the the magic situation there, um, saying the club have said nothing's imminent, but you did break this afternoon, Phil, that have gone back with another bid for Will Grigg of Wigan. Yeah, I, th- I think it's one that will probably drag on for a little bit. I think if anybody's kind of read what Paul <laughs> Cook said last week and kind of looked at the noises coming out of Wigan, it's not a, there's clearly a price at which, it, you know, Will Grigg would be sold. I think that's quite obvious. I think Sunderland clearly feel they've had significant encouragement that he is available but it's an interesting dilemma how much mm-hmm. is he worth because you balance against the fact that he's the best third tier striker over the last five years by a significant dip by a, by a country mile but also that his championship record's a little bit mixed isn't yeah. it this, so, this is a really interesting thing that the, the owners have got to try and balance up because how much we've had promo- how much is promotion worth exactly football yeah so, so yeah so this is it so it, it is an interesting debate because you can see on one hand where they're saying right we're going to cut our cloth accordingly and we're not going to we're not going to be overpriced because his championship record suggests he's not going to be able to kick on with us next year if we get promoted on the other hand if you think his goals are going to guarantee us to get up, is he worth paying a little bit more than what you think he's worth? It goes back to like the Envilla situation, doesn't it? Where people were saying, mm. no, they're right not to pay that because he's got six months left in his contract and then they go out and sign him Dong instead. On that, for on that twice point as well, though, logically, if you're signing him, say, on an 18-month contract or a two-year contract, or it would be a two-and-a-half-year deal or an yeah, 18-month deal and because of January, we are talking about a, a player to bring in in League One who will guarantee... The, I'm going to do the, the quotation mark <laughs> fingers guarantee goals in the summer if we decide once we're up we decide he's not right for the championship we'll have a queue of teams willing to take him yeah. off us and we can say right well I we would, paid we yeah. paid 700 grand for like him Ipswich when he's, seven, he's 700 grand that's how much he costs and then we he gets us up we get our money back we sell it's, it's an interesting dilemma though because that was the logic that Newcastle had when they went in the championship <clears> for a lot of the signings that they put on Big money and then got lumbered with Grant Hanley and well, that's a, so it, it, it is an interesting debate. Length length of contract. But I think defenders them in wages. They didn't buy. They didn't. Re, they sold. Murphy got. They got, a, they Murphy got, got a, a, a club quite quickly. Who was a goal. But I know. But they, what my point is, they, they they got rid of Gale this year in exchange for for Rondon, didn't they? Basically, um, and they paid what ten ten and a half for him. They were trying to shift Richie in the summer to Stoke, weren't they? For about they could have got the money back if they wanted on Richie. So they they could. Um, I think. Not sure. And also, they paid when, about eleven million quid from them, didn't they? I think that's what Stoke. Well, Stoke. Well, 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 yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> well, they, they were though. So that's what Stoke were paying this summer. Mm. Um, so you look at at Greg's situation. Also, comparing to Hanley and and Murphy. Murphy's a you know thirty six year old striker now. Griggs only twenty seven, um, and he's a striker. Hanley's a central defender. People don't want to. Like, it's not glamorous. Spend is it five million quid in a central no. defender? And you'd, the, you'd, you'd easily. I'm telling you, you'd sell Will Grigg for half a million quid in the summer. If and and also the, the other thing as well is that Sunderland might be taking a different view on Will Grigg in the championship, and they might be looking at it saying, "Well, the last time Wigan were up there, they were down at the bottom. 
they were playing quite defensively. Mm-hmm. He was isolated. They might look at it and say, well, actually, with the manager we've got, with how we would mm-hmm. view ourselves in the championship, we don't think it would be as extreme as a jump. It'd be more effective. So all of these things are coming into the pot. But the kind of the context I'm trying to put it in is that I think you will probably see for a little while a little bit of to and, and fro in from both clubs. Um, I think, as I said... See, I that'll probably like, a, oh, he's signed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as we yeah, 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 yeah. Press stop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know how it will end and not enough journalists ad- admit that they don't know how things are going to end. And this is another one where you, you don't know where it's going to end. But I think certainly people can read between the lines between what's been said at the Wigan end and it's clear that there's potentially a deal to be done then. It's, it's whether Sunderland feel the prices is fair for all of the things that we've we've just discussed. I mean, I think it'd be a massive addition. I think it would be a bit of a sign. Oh, it would be. Yeah. And maybe if you look at, um, say, 09, for example, uh, let's take him in isolation this season. Look at where he is now. I thought he was excellent again at the weekend. Would mention his tackle, by the way. Oh, brilliant, wasn't it? It was like a proper... You, know, you don't see many of those... He had, in he had that little yeah. moment after as well where he didn't know whether to like go over and have a little like yeah. <laughs> like word with a player with us. So yeah. he just sort of like hopped about for a little bit. <laughs> he did a little fist bump to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you look at the improvement that he's made. Yeah. Now, with what you you made a really good point there about what do we think or what does the, the staff think? What what does Jack Ross think he can get out of Will Grigg? What's he look if he has looked at him for a period of time? Because the suggestion that one might have been in for him in the summer as well. If he's looking at him going. What can I get out of this player? What can I do to improve him? And he's talked before about improving players. You know, if it, it, he might look at him and go out and make him into a championship striker. So they, did, they did. They did want him in the summer as well. So it's not a suddenly. Oh, not we're not sure about promotion. Yeah. Let's Will Grigg might be available. All right, and so there is that long term kind of view on him. Um, I think it would be a great sign. Why wouldn't you want somebody who scored what sixty goals and seventy goals? Does yeah. it? One of the leading scorers in the country last season. I think he's got 24, 25 goals in 2018. So, you know, he comes here, he probably, you know, in the games we've got left, we've got what? Say he doesn't get here for Scunthorpe. We love. There's only one. 37, what? Is 19 games last left. Last, last league, league, game, last of league game of the month. Yeah, yeah so, so that, that puts 19, us in a bit of an advantageous yeah, position, yeah. doesn't it? If we are going to have to drag it yeah. out, he's only going to miss. Yeah, one game. But he's going to miss Scunthorpe now. You would well, presume. we signed him by Thursday, he'll be in. <laughs> but nine, see, you'll have 20, 19 games, say, to play. Um, how many goals he's going to score in 19 yeah. games? If it's 10 goals, then it's worth it. Oh, if it's it? 10 in, goals. In a, it could be more. If it's 10 goals, you know. And he scores a winner in the Czech Trade Trophy final. 50,000 <laughs> people at Wembley saying Wilgrin's on fire. A few more people asking about Marjorie, but obviously <coughs> we've discussed that. Um, Peter Stamp, will Dunn lead to Ross to try three at the back? Oviedo and or nine, look tailor-made to be wing-backs. If he was, I could see why he would do that. because it, It's kind we, of how we were playing he, early in the season, wasn't it? has got a lot more to offer he, the further forward he gets. Oviedo as well, I agree with Peter. If you were going to play wing-backs, I would bring mm-hmm. Oviedo in. Definitely ahead of Rhys James because he's got more off in the final third. Yeah, it's an option. I mean, we don't know enough about Dunn yet, any of us. No, I mean, I'd, to be honest, I'd be really surprised if he did that. I mean, if you think back to when they were playing that kind of lopsided three at the back earlier in the season, he didn't have McGeady, and I think that's a big thing. Having McGeady mm. as a kind of two orthodox wingers, I think I don't think that was something that Ross enjoyed doing, setting up the team that way. Personally, I think it was more kind of a necessity thing, um, and he's definitely not. He still very much wants 9 to play midfield. He's not being sort of, oh, actually, now that I've seen him play. Mm. I think, if anything, it's made him even more pushed towards showing what those runs could do from midfield. Do you know what I mean? That mm. kind of instinct. So I don't necessarily see it going that way. I mean, 
Dunn is a, a left-sided centre-back, which is something he's been after for a long time and has felt he's lacked a natural player. So it is possible that you could play in that position and then you would offer a bit more protection for Oviedo or what have you. But I, I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if that came back regularly. That could be, again, cliche, like mentioned guaranteed goals early, but actually given or 9 the chance to start a game in the middle of midfield could be like a new sign. And with, now that Adam Matthews is fit. I think he has to if, if Honeyman's not fit. Do we yeah, we need, we need that energy. energy. Someone who's used to playing a little bit higher up. Um, one thing with or 9 that I've noticed the first time on Saturday as well is his first touch is excellent. Like, probably, like, compared <laughs> to this league as well like it's like you know that one Maguire had against Peterborough where he like controlled it really well on the um, on the touchline he did a couple of those on on Saturday and just need that energy and I think Power was a little bit better on on Saturday than he has been for a while but again he's played a lot of games recently could it be time maybe to just rotate him out a bit I thought McGeek was very good on Saturday and is better away from home generally. I think he struggles the last. It's his fitness, isn't it, McGeoch? Mm. But possibly the last yeah. twenty minutes, he started to give a ball. He, he was much better in the they, first they, half. They I know what you mean, but really well. I think them two away from home could potentially complement each other quite well. Um, I still think McGeoch. Uh, wouldn't be in my. Uh, somebody else has asked here about McGeoch. I can't find his his name. Um, and it's something I've said before. I think that McGeoch wouldn't be in my first choice midfield now. But I think McGeoch would be better in the championship. Yeah. Personally, I think the higher up you go, he would he would offer you more because um, of his ball retention when you need. Yeah, it I know what you mean. Games, I, I think to be honest, I've, I've I've said this quite a few times. I, personally, I would pick McGeoch every week. I think what he, I think the two centre halves behind him look twice as good every time he plays. Um, and my big criticism of the Sunderland teams, I think there's too many players who force it too often. Um, and I think McGeoch someone who actually take a minute just to settle the game down Sometimes I think Sunderland so. have lacked that he, he, he refuses passes and it annoys me I don't think he did that as much on Saturday it, it I've, been, I've been annoyed with him about that in the past but I thought he was <clears> much more decisive on Saturday he looked like he was in the groove he looked like he had a he looked like he had a bit of momentum behind him which is probably came <clears> with actually getting a run of games because he has been interrupted by the being dropped or he's had little like obviously little injuries towards the start of the season but I think he really he's looking like he's really benefited from knowing his role in the side now and getting used to partnerships like you were on about before, Phil, how other teams have this. He, him and Power did have a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> it does kind of contradict me saying I'd potentially take Power out. But... I wouldn't take him out this weekend because we've got such that, that big break. So obviously, he won't play in the checker trade game, he wouldn't have thought. Um, so, you know, he could play this weekend and then have a nice, you know, 10 days. Nice little rest. Nice little trip to Fausto Coffee. Yeah, a few... A few coffees probably get in a, in a in a fortnight. I don't have too many though, because you'll peak too much. Yeah. Remember when, when you, everyone when was fuming because like, Kazri had a coffee on the bench <laughs> against <laughs> Barnes. I was I was one of the funniest <laughs> things I've seen in football. Or like it was just the ultimate. Just I've, I have not got a significant contribution to make. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been better if you like lit, lit a tab up as well. And yeah, there's a little like sort of um, patio like furniture table. There he should as be well. drink. He should be drinking like a, a multicolored. Like energy drink, that's isotonic. what he should be drinking. An isotonic it, to be, drink, to be fair, though, chemicals. It, it, was, it was more just his vibe. It was just like, oh, I've just yeah. nipped out. <laughs> I've just nipped out of Barnsley for the afternoon. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been linked with uh, PSG today, by the way. I really? don't know, wow. kind of, I don't know wow. if anyone saw that. Who who would have thought that once he went back to France, oh, he'd be loot and I'm, go for it? Yeah, yeah. He, he was all right. He wasn't as bad as people wanted to be. I don't think uh, we've covered more of what the rest of what people have to ask. To be honest, so we, we'll just wrap up um, Kevin Defty, Liam Wade, if two of many people who are just saying us. 
Well done, do you we, podcasts do we, are brilliant. Do we, do, we, do we think we've got enough? And it's 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 people have getting a little bit nervous in the with the last few games, unable to put sides away. Do people still think we're we're on course? The the Luton manager thing is going to have an impact. I think yeah, over time it will because since they'll be so used to preparing for games in a certain way for such a long time, and that's going to change. Mm. No. It might take a couple of months or it might take a few weeks. It will, because I'd be so used to it. Well, we, we did it this way before, we did it that way before. Psychologically, there's no way as a human being you can reset so quickly. It's going to be a period of adjustment. It'd also be interesting to see if Luton or Portsmouth get a couple of injuries and stuff. I feel like we've had quite a lot, but we've got the squad mm. to cope with it. I don't, I don't think there's a lot between the top six at the moment. I really don't. From having watched Barnsley most of them at least once. Well, Barnsley now it? three points behind. And I think they're four. I think they're four, are they? Um, what have we got? Have we got 40? Have we got 52? I'm I think sure. we've got 52. I Do thought, we still not have a game more games in hand on we don't have a, Barnsley as well? We don't have a game in hand on Barnsley, no. they're level with us. They've got 49 Barnsley, I think we've got 52. I think I think the top, I think there's a massive, for me, yeah, there's a massive... Right, three points, three points out of Barnsley. Is it? Yeah. 49 away on 52. Yeah. That's what you've just said, that's three points. Yeah, it is. I think the top <laughs> seven are quite close and I think there's a massive gap after that. Um, so I think it is... I think it's tense, but like like I say, at the moment it just feels a little bit like it's hard work with Sunderland. But I think there's reasons for that. Um, I'm not overly concerned at this. Well, point. we didn't mention the seven the next seven fixtures. Have you got them written down? I'll get them now. You fill. You fill. Well, basically the next seven fixtures, um, the highest placed team that will play in the next seven as it stands. Obviously that can change. Of course, all seven games is Wickham Wanderers who are thirteenth. Um, so we've got a lot of teams in the bottom half of the table that play over the yeah, course of the next Oxford, seven games. Oxford and Bristol Rovers we've coming got Oxford, up next month. Yeah, Bristol Rovers, um, Scunthorpe, Scunthorpe next. Wimbledon. And then we've got that game against Man City, none of us won. Uh, Wimbledon at home, who are currently bottom, yeah. Um, Oxford away, Blackpool at home, Accrington Stanley at home, Gillingham at home, Bristol Rovers away, Plymouth at home, Accrington Stanley away. Wickham away before so maybe, you get the Barnsley in March mm. mid-March so maybe it was I was wrong then because Blackpool will be the highest place yeah. team that'll be the toughest game I but can just I can just see Will Griggs somewhere in Wigan with his boots on yeah, just, 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 just ready like, yeah. ready to start plundering he's just like going how many goals did he score against these seven teams in the last two watching years watching his highlight reel yeah. on YouTube with HD a, yeah. Will with, Grigg yeah. fire emoji yeah. goals so you rock up at Wimbledon with well with the stadium of light with a for the coffee <laughs> I'm so pleased that's been brought up again I'd forgotten about yeah. that that was just such a <laughs> wonderful moment he's like will you start and he's like no no I'll just wait on the bench until <laughs> 60 the, minutes the, the kettle's boiling yeah, the I'll, kettle's boiling give I'll, us five yeah, I'll just come on for the last half an hour don't worry about it and then he just stroll on hat trick and that'll be it bosh exactly coffee celebrations coffee contrived fire, coffee hot, celebrations no no there. it would be he'd, You'd have like one of the substitutes bring like a Nes- Martin Baines Nespresso machine <laughs> <laughs> down the touchline and just get an espresso out and have a little It'll cheeky be carrying drink. It. Yeah, feel like it should be Johnny Williams. Max Power, the thank you card. Yeah, nice, very That's good. What you'd have. Right, we're the all after watch episode seven of Sunderland <laughs> Till I Die again and watch your dar yeah. shout, peer the ref, how much you peer the ref. 
Um, he didn't say that. Round he said, let's, let's have, have a whip, whip round. round. Yeah. The referee, pay the referee. How much of the pain you're in? The dedication to that joke, like he got, he just went all in. When he, he got money out. When he starts playing to the crowd as well. With Do you money? think he got cash out before he went to the match know. as well? Like, I, 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 I better get some money yeah, out. Yeah. Well, Cameras it, are on us today. You couldn't, you couldn't get, you can't get uh, food in the ground and that without cash, can you? So maybe you uh, like to pipe before the game. contact They didn't last season though. Maybe didn't have them there. They didn't have them last season, I'm telling you. We'll be back on Thursday at one As always, though, thanks for listening.